Let's, let's start with a word of prayer before we dive into God's word. Father God, we praise you. We will never cease praising you for you are God eternal, God infinite. There will never come a point where we've reached the end of your praise, of your holiness, of your glory, of the wonder of who you are and what you have done for us. We praise your holy name. And we thank you for your Son. And we thank you for your Spirit abiding in us, alive and active. And we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Have you ever felt like God is a million miles away? Have you ever reached that point where you, you just wonder where he is because of something you've done, because of your situations, your circumstances, a trial you're going through? Maybe is there's just so much stress in your life right now that, that when you pray, it's like, I know you're there, God, but... Where are you? I, I need answers. It feels like my prayers are just hitting that ceiling, and I, I just, they're, they're going nowhere. What, what is your deepest sin? You don't have to say it out loud. What, think of your most hopeless situation. When you seek God at those times, where is he? When you feel like he's a million miles away, where is he? Today we will look at the case of a man who was about as spiritually and physically separated from God as anybody possibly could be. We will see this man in the hand of God. And we will see the tools that God used in this man's life to bring him to faith in Jesus Christ. The man we're going to look at today was from a Gentile nation. He was not of the people of Israel. He was not of that chosen people. He was raised worshiping other gods, false gods, gods that don't exist, sacrificing to them. He was a eunuch. He was emasculated. He was physically imperfect before a God who demands absolute perfection. Deuteronomy 23, starting in verse 1, it says, according to the law, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. According to the law, as the law of God paints a picture of God's holy perfection. And his expectations that his people be holy as he is holy. God's people needed to be set apart spiritually and physically. And the law separated this eunuch from God and his people. This man had no right spiritually in his sin to come before God. Nor physically in his physical imperfection come before him in worship. He was from an idol-worshiping culture, a physically mutilated example of complete imperfection. 
Have you ever felt like that? Like you have no right to come before God. Who am I? No wonder my prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling. And there was absolutely nothing that this man could do about any of it. He could not correct his sinfulness. In, in, in his sinful state, he would not and could not choose God. And he could not reverse his physical state. Yet as far as this man may seem to have been from him, God still had this man in his hands. God's intimate knowledge of us and his love for us is, is greater and deeper than we often realize, than we often feel. See, no one is out of the reach of God. No one is too far gone or beyond his desire that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's 1 Timothy 2.4. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 26. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Let's stand up for the reading of God's Word. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they, went, they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Reading of God's Word. Thank you very much. Go ahead and be seated. So we have before us an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, a man as separated from God as one could possibly get. 
There's two wonderful words in Scripture, though, there. But God. We find those in, in Ephesians. But God. We don't know exactly how, but at some point, this man in this man's life, the Spirit of God opened his eyes and he became a God-fearer. He didn't have a complete and full understanding of God's word, but he was a God-fearer. In verse 27, we see that he, uh, Philip rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He knew that God was who he said he was according to his word. He had that much knowledge, and, and he had gone to worship. The Spirit of God had quickened his heart and brought him to that realization to acknowledge that God is. But though he feared God, though he knew that God existed according to his word, this man could not join the assembly. He could not go into the assembly and enter into it, the assembly of Israel, for proper worship, could he? Because according to the law, he was not allowed. He couldn't even become a proper proselyte to enter the courtyard of the Gentiles at the temple. As he would have always been ostracized to a certain extent because of his physical condition. As according to the law, he could not enter that assembly. Here's a man having this, this understanding of God. This fear of God. Fear enough to take him from his country to, all the way to Jerusalem to try to worship. This knowledge of his separation would have just been magnified, wouldn't it? It's one thing to be ignorant. And it's a whole other thing to know that there is a perfect God of all creation and to worship him and yet know that you can't truly join in the assembly of God because of a physical state that you can do absolutely nothing about. His situation must have just felt hopeless. And his separation from God just cavernous at times. Even in this very passage, did you see the repetition? Did you see what he was called in verse 27? It describes who he is. An Ethiopian a eunuch. In verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip. Verse 39, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. The eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch. Not, not just the Ethiopian. Why couldn't we just call a guy the Ethiopian? And what about all this great title that he had? He was an official of the court of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of all her treasure. Why not say this great man of Ethiopia? No, he's the eunuch. Separated. Cast aside. Before the law, before God, before his people, he was the eunuch. In verse 30 and 31, we see him reading God's word, and, and Philip ran over to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the, the eunuch said, how can I unless somebody guides me? Can, can you just feel his frustration at this point? Cast out. I didn't touch that. That was cool. 
But God, he, as, as frustrated as this man might have felt, as separated as he might have been before the law, God had this eunuch in his hands from eternity past. We know that according to God's word, God has chosen us before the foundations of the earth. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. We know that according to God's word in Genesis 3.15, that as soon as Adam and Eve sinned before God, God right then promised salvation to mankind. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, the serpent and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. Singular offspring, one man, one person. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That's the promise of the Messiah coming. Before the chosen people of God, before Israel, before the law, there was established the salvation for mankind. In accord with who he is and in accord with his law, God does expect perfection. Leviticus 19.2, speak to the congregation, the people of Israel, and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. God will expect nothing less than holiness. And then Deuteronomy 23.1, and in this man's particular circumstances, he was not allowed, according to the law, because of his emasculation, to set foot in the assembly. Spiritual and physical perfection were expected by God. But God offers hope to the imperfect. In Isaiah 53, what do we read about? We read about Jesus shouldering the weight and the price of all our sin, all our sorrows, our griefs, our iniquities, our shortfalls. He shoulders all those things for us. And in fact, God in His Word offers specific hope to the most lost and separated of people. Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. Listen to this carefully. You can read it up there. <laughs> This is the most beautiful verses in light of this passage we're reading. Thus says the Lord, Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath not profaning it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. 
And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifice will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. That's just one of those wow passages. If you just read it in Isaiah, sometimes you might just read by it. But if, if you look at it from the book of Acts and the perspective of this poor man, this eunuch who's trying to worship and he's so separated and, and he finally makes it to Isaiah 56 and he goes, there is hope. I am not so far separated from God that he can't bridge that gap. I can't help that God had this very man in mind as he penned those words through the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before. And in the gospel, that hope is fulfilled. In Jesus Christ, anyone, whosoever, believes in the Lord. Anyone can be reconciled to the God of their creation At the cross, we are dressed in Christ's righteousness, not our own. Our own is filthy. His is perfect. We are made perfect in Him. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. Look at how, how wonderfully God orchestrated the salvation of this eunuch. What was it that God used to turn his heart to Jesus Christ? God used the eunuch's life circumstances. God used scripture and God used Philip to bring this man to Jesus Christ. This man's hopeless circumstances helped him to realize, I need a savior. I need a God who can. I need the God of all creation. The gods of my people won't do it. But the God of Israel offers hope. At some point, this man received God's word, acknowledged God's word, and became a God-fearing man. We read about that in verses 27 and 28. He received God's word. He, God used scripture in his life to bring light to his eyes, to help him to realize and recognize that God is who he says he is. God used his circumstances. God used scripture. And God used Philip. Verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And Philip questioned him and said, I don't want to do this. Is that what it says? Please have your Bibles with you. You never know what this crazy guy might say. And he rose and went. Verse 27. 
Philip obeyed, didn't he? He didn't hesitate. He didn't ponder and say, are you sure, Lord, you want me to go there? What, what does this entail? What am I going to have to change? What am I going to have? Where exactly am I going to be? Am I going to have a home to sleep in? Am I going to, what should I take with me? He didn't go through all that, did he? He rose and he went. Philip obeyed not knowing everything that it would entail or what might be required of him. Are we ready to obey God's word, God's call upon our lives, and and apply it to who we are and what we do and where we go? Not knowing how it may change, where we are, where we will go, or what we're going to do? After Philip obeyed, verse 29, the Spirit then said to Philip, after Philip was already on his way, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now the Spirit gets very specific, and Philip obeys again. He goes over and engages the eunuch. In verse 30, we see, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he brought the the, the light of the truth of Jesus Christ to the heart and mind of this eunuch, of this man he didn't even know. By the direction of God's Spirit. As it's been revealed to us through the pages of Scripture, each and every one of us has God's Word. Each and every one of us has the ability to put this in our head and put this in our heart. We have God's Spirit alive in us. Let's soak it in. Take it in and use it in the lives of the people around us, in the lives of the people we meet. If there's somebody you run into, if there's somebody you know who doesn't know Jesus Christ, What is it that God is calling us to do for them? Ignore them. They'll be okay. No! What is God's call upon your life, your mind, your heart, when you're standing next to that person who needs Jesus Christ? Engage. If you're a Star Trek Next Generation fan, Engage, right? Go to it. Are we ready to take our faith beyond the veneer? To walk it and to talk it. After Philip engages him and shares Christ and they travel along and they're talking and conversing. Verse 36 The eunuch sees some water, and he says, what's to stop me from being baptized? There's water. In Christ, nothing prevents him from being baptized, fully adopted into the family of God. God knew this man with all of his imperfections that would separate him from God, and God wanted him to know himself. He, this man could never be so far gone from God, so far separated, that God would not be able to redeem him. Who do we know that we think of and we look at and we say, they're, they're so far gone. They don't want to hear about Christ. There's no one so far gone. 
No one so sinful that they can't be reconciled. No one you know and not you yourself. There's nothing you could have done, nothing you could have said that would make God say, no, not that one. I don't want him to know me. I don't want her to know me. You are God's. This man could never be so far gone from God that God would not be able to redeem him. The the blood of Christ can cover any sin and restore any spiritual separation from God. Romans chapter 5. We heard this earlier in worship. Chapter 5 verses 9 through 11 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The blood of Christ our Savior redeems us from our sins, and the resurrection of Christ will overcome any physical imperfection that we might have before God. It gives us the hope that while our bodies may fail us now, and our flesh may be tempted towards sin to this very day, we have the hope of a new, perfected body in the resurrection. Salvation is a free gift of God entirely based upon Christ and His act of love and righteousness at the cross that goes beyond anything we could say or do on our own behalf. We are saved by grace, not by works, that none of us should boast before God, but that we should boast in Christ and in Christ alone. With God, nothing is impossible, and no one is beyond reach. Not even you. Not even me. No matter how we may feel at our lowest, no matter how separated we may seem to be, the Lord tells us through David, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame 
was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. In the pages of Scripture, we are reminded that that if God has his eyes on the sparrow, not one of them is forgotten, not one falls without his knowledge. God knows the number of hairs that are on our heads, some more than others. Are we not of much more value to him as his children created in his image? God didn't send his son to the cross for a sparrow. God gave his son to the cross for us, for you, and for me. Did you know the eunuch? Neither did I. But God does. God knows everything and everyone. There's lots we don't know, and it can be easy to get caught up in that, especially when we're going through a hard time or a stress or a trial. Feel like those prayers are just hitting the ceiling. But know this, no matter how far you might feel from God, your life is saturated with His attention from before the day you were born. As God knit this man together, this eunuch together in his mother's womb, somewhere in Ethiopia, far removed from Israel, God knew his story. God knew his sin. God knew the physical issues that would come up in his life that would separate him. God knew the very separation from his created child and he said you are mine as he knit him together in his mother's womb I planned it from before the foundation of the earth I wrote of it by the hand of my servant Isaiah there will be spiritual and physical faults that you cannot overcome but I can And I will make it happen when my servant Philip speaks to you of the life, death, and resurrection of my son. For my glory, you are mine. God knows us in the exact same way as he knit us together in our mother's wombs. There may be times when our situation or our sinfulness makes us feel like we are are still separated from God, but remember that he knew you and chose you before the foundations of the earth. Nothing you could do would surprise him or scare him off. He knows you inside and out. In the times we feel so separated from God, he is still right there with us, right there beside us. He will not leave us, will not forsake us. He is with us even to the end of the age, he says in Matthew 28, 20. We may not realize it, but our life is absolutely pervaded by God's hand, top to bottom. 
even as he holds all things together with his word of power, down to our very being. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God's great plans for us does not mean that he will always rescue us from the difficult things of life, does it? If we look at the life of this Ethiopian in our passage, notice that the Ethiopian eunuch, while he received salvation, he still had to wait for a perfected body in the resurrection, didn't he? When he came up out of the water, he came up with joy in his heart, and he went out rejoicing. But he did not have a perfect body yet, did he? Sometimes we have to wait for those things, don't we? But God hasn't left him. God didn't leave him. God didn't forget about him. God just waited to the perfect moment to give him that perfect body that he might be in his presence forever. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows his sheep and he calls them by name. And remember, if if God sent his son and gave him up for our salvation, do we begin to imagine that he does not care about everything in our lives? No matter how far away we may feel, surely he will give us everything we need and answer every prayer for our greatest good, not always the way we want it to be or at the moment we want it to be, but he will provide for us. Do you know that God is there, but but feel like he isn't there for you? Know that he knows you and loves you. He knew you and loved you before the foundations of the earth were put into place. He knit you together, giving you your life circumstances, giving you his word, giving you the fellowship of the church body that we might build each other up and encourage one another and share that message of salvation with one another and encourage each other in this way that you would know him. And now in our salvation, what have we been called to? We've been given the mission, haven't we? We may feel like the eunuch, but we are called to be Philip. We we are called to, to take prayer, fellowship, and God's word out into the world as witnesses to the person and works of Jesus Christ. We are called to obey the the call of God upon our lives to go out. And then when God says, there's somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and we come to that realization that that person doesn't know God. He needs Jesus Christ. She needs Jesus Christ. Let me share that message How is the eunuch to understand that word unless somebody was there to guide him and help him and and bring him to that knowledge? We are called to fill the gap. Every one of us are called to share the gospel in our spheres of influence lives, in our soils, to, to plant seeds. And maybe the person you share with won't come to an immediate knowledge of who God is, who Jesus is, and the salvation that they need in him, but plant the seeds. Let's go and be Phillips in people's lives. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you 
that none of our situations, none of our lives are hopeless before you. Father God, that none of us are so separated from you physically or spiritually that you cannot overcome that gap, that you cannot overcome that cavern that rests between us. Lord, you have redeemed us and your redemption is perfect because your son is perfect and the salvation you bring us is perfect. Your blood shed on the cross, Lord, is perfect. There's nothing for us to add to it. There's nothing we can take away. But God, you are a wonderful Savior. And so we thank you for the lives, the new lives that you've given us. And we pray, Lord, you help us to take that out, to apply your word to our lives, and really to reach out to the people we run into, to the people we know, to carry your word forth, to be an active living church with your word carried on our lips. Father God, do wonderful things through this family here at Alden Union. We praise you that you are the living God and not dead. And we pray that you do these things for your greatest glory. Use your redeemed people, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.